I don't consider the Cavs. Like Tim, I don't consider them NBA Finals contenders yet. And the reason being is you ha- there's just certain steps that I have to see you consistently clear. And the number one thing is I can't say you're going to go to the NBA Finals and have a chance to win it until you actually go out there and, like, win a playoff series. So I, I there's a part of me that thinks if you have a first-round series against a seven seed, if you are the two seed, and you just roll, like you sweep them, it's going to be tough to put the genie back in the bottle when it comes to expectations. I think I think one of the best benefits of potentially being the two seed is you are going to probably get another young team like Orlando, who you play tonight and kick off the second half of the NBA season on, and that's just going to give you a, a softer launch into the playoffs. Yet you, it was a tough draw last year because Tom Thibodeau has been in the playoffs a lot in his career as a head coach, and guys like Jalen Brunson and uh, and a few other other guys they did have some playoff experience on their roster, and and their style of play in terms of their physicality and and their ability to shut you down defensively, like those were things that made that a really tough first-round matchup. And you then just didn't play your best game. And you ran out of steam and you weren't ready for the moment. So, like, I do think one of the true advantages of being the two-seed is you at least have an easier path to that second round. And then the second round, I think you really find out who you are. But I, I think... And I don't, I don't want to make it seem like I'm saying this about Tim's analysis because I think I hear it in the NBA. The NBA is very much a superstar-driven league. The NBA is very much a wing-driven league. And because of that, I think, I, think, I think NBA analysts look at this and go, well, they don't have a dominant wing, and they don't have a guy that is definitively a top-10 player in the NBA – no matter if Donovan's the 11th best player in the NBA or not, but Donovan does not get superstar love. He gets star love. He gets, oh, yeah, he's really good, but he doesn't get, like, when the kind of just the, the pass that Kevin Durant does. The the Suns, the super team of the Suns has not been good. They, they have not lived up to expectations. But I saw today, I think it was uh, Tim Legler, called them one of the five title contenders in the NBA. And it's like, what have you watched? Like, yeah, hypothetically, you get Kevin Durant in a seven-game series. You get Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal and all these, and Devin Booker. Yeah, hypothetically, but the problem is they haven't done diddly squad compared to what they could have done in the regular season. But but Kevin Durant and Devin Booker and Bradley Beal, they've passed the test. It It's more about Booker and Durant, by the way. But those guys, okay, well, they're wings and they're superstars. Okay, yep, they're NBA title contenders. So I think the Cavs, optically, no one's going to say the Cavs are NBA title contenders until they force you to believe it. In a way, I actually compare them to the Golden State Warriors before the Golden State Warriors broke through in 2015. No one took the Warriors seriously. Yeah, oh, that's a great story. They won a bunch of regular season games because they play hard, but you can't shoot that kind of three ball And in the postseason. The game, the game changes too much in the postseason. Now, what ended up giving out is they were phenomenally defensively and lethal with the three-point, and there was a run there where people forget Draymond shot about 35 36% over three years that completely elevated what they were able to do. And then they had guys like Iguodala, and then they had guys, I mean, they just cycled in guys that just were kind of the perfect fit for what they did. 
But, like, nobody gave the Warriors a chance to win the NBA Finals probably until Kyrie Irving got hurt. And even then, that second year, like, they went out and won 73 games and there were still murmurs. Well, but if the Cavs were full strength, people forget. When the Cavs won, even though the Cavs came back from 3-1, well, see, this is what happens when you have a, a super team going up against a really nice team. Like, guys, they there was doubt in the NBA cycle. No matter the fact that Steph was an MVP, no matter that Clay might be the most underrated second-best player on a championship team in NBA history, it is comical how people have forgotten how lethal Clay was and how important he was to unlocking the best in Steph Curry because of his length and, and defense. And, like, there were so many reasons why Golden State was valid, but they didn't fit the archetype. So everything they did, they had to earn and then some. And then they added Kevin Durant, and then they're the greatest team ever in NBA history. Well, but you won 73 games. Yeah, you lost the NBA Finals. You still have all the, but now you got Kevin Durant. That's just how the NBA works. And I think the biggest thing working against the Cavs, and, and this is now turning into just a tangent, I don't think anyone's going to take the Cavs seriously post-LeBron until they actually go out there and pull the sword from the stone. I think, I, I th and this is and this becomes the, the third part of this, which is there's no league that is hornier for big markets than the NBA. And it's just, it's the way it's been. Ever since, and it wasn't always this way, guys. My, my personal theory is it happened when the Lakers and the Celtics took over the NBA in the 1980s and you've had guys like Bill Simmons screaming from the rooftops about how the NBA's better when the Celtics and Lakers are, are kings. And here's the thing. There's enough people that have bought into that. Never mind that the Chicago Bulls, who've had one legitimately amazing run in their entire, in their entire run, the first 30 years, sorry, the first 20 years before Michael Jordan, not a lot. Not great, Bob. It was Artemis uh, Gilmore and the Bulls drug dealer. Those were the highlights of the first 20 years. Look at the look at the post Jordan years. That is an iconic run of a franchise that yes, it's big market, but outside of the Jordan run is not known to be a oh what a prestigious team. Nope. But people don't think about that. They don't think about LeBron's run in Cleveland. They think Lakers. They think Celtics. I think the Heat have become this way. Now the Warriors have become this way. Uh, the Knicks have all, I mean, the national media has, oh, well, anytime the Knicks get good, it's like when Texas gets good in football or Miami Hurricanes get good in college football. But, uh, are the Knicks back? Well, but they don't have a Kevin Durant. That's the only, as a matter of fact, that's the only team it doesn't matter if you don't have a Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, or Giannis. It's the only team. So I look at this and I do think, like, the narratives that go against the, the Cavs. It is, well, you don't have a, a generational wing. You don't have, you've got two undersized combo guards. And look what happened with Dame and, and, and they, hey, Portland, Cleveland, similar markets, right? And then you get to the third part. Everybody references, well, what have you ever done without LeBron? But because you are not in Chicago, now it's weaponized against you. And some of that is cynicism about the Gilbert ownership, which is fair until proven otherwise. They didn't fire anybody this year, which is pretty impressive because they could have fired guys like three times. But I think so much of what I hear is, yeah, okay. Yeah, they're nice. It's okay. I think some of that is you're comparing it against the one most obvious thing. In L.A., there are too many great runs. You got Shaq and Kobe. You got um, 
you know, you got Magic and Kareem, right? You've got um, uh, Kareem when he was first there. You've got the Wilt Chamberlain run. You've got Jerry West. Like, you have so many runs with Kobe and Powell. You've got so many runs. Even, like, even LeBron and AD. That's just a bubble championship. Huh? They won an NBA title. What do you do? Well, but he's not a real Laker yet. What is, What the hell are you talking about? So in, in L.A., there are too many things to point to. There are too many shiny objects and trophies to point to to, to go ahead and weaponize that against the organization. It's been proven they can win too many times. In Cleveland, it is, yeah, LeBron, what have you ever done? And so I think that does shade the perspective of, yeah, they're just, they're, they're, they're happy to be there. Yeah, they're the two seed, but they're not an NBA title contender. And the one for one, and and I I understood what what Tim was saying, but I do think people across the NBA, including Tim, have been too freaking hard on Evan Mobley. And I agree with the the overarching sentiment, which is if they're ever going to win an NBA title in the next five years without LeBron James, and with this current cast, however it's going to look around Evan Mobley, it'll be because of Evan Mobley. This year, you want to make the NBA Finals, Evan Mobley taking over and in the NBA playoffs, that's a huge way to get to fast-track yourself to the NBA Finals. Doesn't guarantee you win in the Finals, but like that guy taking a gigantic step in a half season is huge for them contending. Three, whether it's two years from now, three years from now, this year, five years from now, them, him, it's, it's on him. And when he's ready, and he might be young, guys, but I think that's my frustration. Like, Tim was comparing Evan Mobley to Scotty Barnes. I really like Scotty Barnes, a hell of a basketball player. What outs, what are, how are their situations similar other than their third year players? Like Evan Mobley has to share the ball and share the offense and, and figure out how to be a transcendent offensive player with Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland next to him while sharing the lane and sharing similar spots on the court with another all-star level player in Jared Allen. Scotty Barnes can just go up and jack up 15 threes a game because Toronto ain't winning, they're not trying to win, and they just traded Pascal Siakam and damn near everybody else on their roster. So I'm not impressed that Scotty Barnes is attempting five three-pointers a game because who else is going to take those shots? So I and I don't mean to say this about what Tim thinks because he's valid. He watches as much NBA. The man is he has earned his bones as a NBA analyst, NBA writer. But how outside of the fact they're a third year players are they similar stories? If Evan Mobley didn't have Darius or Donovan to 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 wrestle the ball from him, it might be easier. Those shots might come to him more realistic or more. Uh, more early in his career. But since his second year in the NBA, he has been contending with two ball-dominant guards in an offense that's not helped either guard until this year or Evan or Jared. So, yeah, Scotty Barnes had a good third-year jump. I'm not buying. Well, Scotty Barnes did it, so Evan Mobley should. Contextually, Evan is in a tougher situation to make that jump, and it is on Evan. Inevitably, it is on Evan to to unlock the best version of himself. But the idea that, well, but look what Scotty Barnes did. Look at what player C did. Guys, it's not the same. 
Evans trying to win, the Cavs are trying to win, and Evans trying to take that big jump. It's a hell of a lot harder than I think, well, this guy in a non-winning situation, he, he did it, so why can't you? I think the answer is pretty damn obvious.